Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Here today with Tim Carstens, he's the MD of Base Resources, their mineral science operation with an asset in Madagascar. Tim, how are you? Very well, thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. Now, you're over from Perth, but you're sort of doing the rounds in London and you going anywhere else? No, not on this trip. This is just a, um, one of our regular regular visits um, to support the, the, the listing over here. Fantastic. Good, good, good. Okay, well, let's start off with a minute summary on the business. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Sure, we're a, a pure play mineral sands company um, listed in Australia and, and here in London. Um, we've got uh, you know, a highly profitable, successful um, operation that we developed in, in Kenya. Um, it, was, it was Kenya's first large scale mining project. And uh, we've now picked up the learnings from that and uh, looking to apply it in a, in a new project we acquired about 18 months ago in, in Madagascar. Right. Uh, very similar style of, of mineral sand uh, operation, a little bit bigger in terms of uh, capital. And uh, looking to you know, bring that into being and, and create a, a pretty unique mineral sands company that's, that's got a, a very clear growth path, you know, highly profitable. Um, and uh, you know, something that we think is going to have strategic relevance in the, in the sector. Great. Okay. So one, for people new to mineral sands, mm-hmm. explain what it is. We're, we're in. Um, in, in our terms, mineral sands, um, we basically produce three products. Um, mm. Rutile is the biggest component of our um, suite at, in Kenya. Mm. It's the highest grade form of, of titanium dioxide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about 95%. Uh, we also produce a lot of ilmenite, which is a lower grade form of the same material, um, 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 titanium dioxide. Mm-hmm. And both of the majority of both of those go into the production of pigment. Yep. Um, about 95% of all of um, titanium dioxide materials go into production of pigment. So everything you see with a colour. Um, right. So paints, plastics, paper, papers, you name inks, it. food dyes, yep. you name it, um, makeup, uh, all has. Um, titanium dioxide pigment in it. So consumption is very tightly tied to a global GDP. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a, an urbanisation and wealth um, driver, I guess, than industrialisation. Mm-hmm. And then the third component for us is zircon, uh, which is quite different, uh, predominantly used in the ceramics industry, um, you know, as a, in glazes and you know, in tiles and, and the like. Uh, also has some other sort of industrial uses as well. Right, okay. So let's, let's talk about last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you, you said you this project's been going, was it eight, 18 months been working on this project? How'd last year go for you, 2018? Well, I mean, and, and in into 2019? Well, the two, um, the two parts of the business, the first is Kuala, the, the operating mine in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, we got our first shipment away in February 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been going for a while there. Um, 20 so what's that? That's, that's cash producing, profitable? Yep, significantly say. cash producer. Right. Um, Can you it's, sense of those numbers? Yeah, I mean, last year our um, uh, EBITDA was 113 million US. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a record year. Uh, revenue was about 209 US. Uh, so very, very significant producer. So debt free. Um, debt free. Uh, we have now paid out the original um, 235 million dollar project mm-hmm. financing that was used to part fund the construction. Uh, with net cash of, of 20 million, mm-hmm. um, so a very strong year last year from, yep. a, from an earnings perspective. Um, another very strong year from a safety perspective. Uh, we haven't had a lost time injury since February 2014, mm-hmm. um, right across the business. Um, we haven't had a medically treated injury for two years. Uh, it's an extremely um, um, strong safety culture in our business. And, and what, let me just touch upon that, because most people don't bother talking about that. <coughs> so it, that's because the, the nature of the mining, the, the process, isn't it? 
Um, partially. I mean, it's a, it's a less, um, I guess, inherently dangerous form of mining than yeah. you know, compared to hard rock underground, for example. But you know, there's still an awful lot of moving parts in our business. Um, you know, road transport, um, yeah. you know, a, a lot of um, you know, risks, if you like. Right. Uh, I mean, the reason the reason we focus on it one is it's it's so central to sort of how we want to go about doing business, but it's also um, a pretty good window in on the performance culture of the business in general. Yeah. Um, because you you never find a business that ha- or an operation that has really good safety performance and poor operational performance because the management disciplines that drive one drive the other. Yeah. Um, the other the other reason it's it's really important for us is we've come into a country with no history of mining in Kenya in terms of no large-scale mining mm. and where's 65 percent of the mining industry mm. um we're 98 percent kenyan workforce um yeah. so roughly a thousand people on site so yeah. being able to embed that sort of safety culture in a in a environment that's not used to it um is, has been a significant and you're, you're also spending a bit of money on some CSR activity and there's a couple of million bucks Set aside for that. Yeah, look, we, we do spend a reasonably significant amount each year. It was about 3.8 million last year on right. community development and, and environmental um, enhancement programs. Mm. Um, we've actually banned the use of the phrase corporate social responsibility okay. in, the, in the business. Noted. Um, <laughs> largely because it's, um, it's the language of obligation. It's what companies feel they need to do to be seen to be corporately socially responsible. We, we take a slightly more um, strategic view on it in mm. that for us, we need to uh, have a community and a government that has a felt fair exchange of benefit, mutual benefit with us. Um, so that you know, one level we have a really proud, happy workforce. We have a community that will defend the project uh, or the mining operation against any sort of you know, political interference. Um, and then at the other end of the extreme, we have a community and a government that are a fantastic reference for us. Right. When we want to move into somewhere like Madagascar, where we've now gone, we've been able to point to what happened in, in Kenya, mm. and you very quickly have a government that recognises you as someone they want operating in the country. Okay, so let's talk about Madagascar now. Mm-hmm. So it's a relatively new operation. How, how are things going? It's going really well. I mean, we bought it as a project, yeah. um, so <clears throat> it's uh, going through the study phases at the moment. So we, we completed the pre-feasibility study done, in okay. March, right. um, which reinforced our view of it being you know, probably the best undeveloped mineral sand asset in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd looked at a lot of projects before we decided it was the one we wanted to go for. Um, we're now completing the definitive study, which will be out in December, yep. uh, and that will then sort of form the basis for completing the, the financing for, for development. So how are the conversations on financing going? Are going well. I mean, we... we what are you we, looking for? Um, com- we're looking at a combination of things at the moment. Um, there will be a fairly significant debt package uh, sure. as part of the, pa- uh, part of the funding. Uh, we're pursuing two options. One is um, a classic project financing, very similar to what we did in Kenya, and in fact involving a lot of the same banks who had a fantastic experience with us first time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like the way we do what we do. Uh, they like the, the project and the way it gives them an entry into Madagascar in ways they probably haven't had a lot of access to before. Um, so that's one debt funding option. We're also pursuing, um, in parallel, a Nordic bond, exploring mm-hmm. that possibility. Um, and looking to put in place something around a $350 million um, sort of debt facility. And in parallel with that, we're also progressing a few joint venture discussions um, just to sort of understand what might be possible in, uh, with some, some uh, industry players. Okay, that, that, that's kind of interesting. So things going obviously going well. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about share price. So if I look back at the history, 2016, I guess it took off in Kenya. Mm. Share price went screaming all the way up to sort of 19. 
very nice. Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a bit of a wild ride. I mean, yeah. from, almost from the moment we turned the plant on in in Kuala in early twenty fourteen, um, our commodity prices were falling, and so we we actually got to the point in February twenty sixteen of having a market cap of sixteen million dollars. Yeah. Um, that was the low point. I think it was two point six cents or yeah. something, and then we saw commodity prices turn. And um, in about the middle of 2016, and, and share price shot up, you know, we've been up in, in the yeah, 30s. Amazing. Um, but we've largely tracked sideways since we acquired Toliara, um, sort of sat in a channel, 24 to mm-hmm. 30 cents, somewhere in there. Um, and, and to a certain extent, that's, I guess, explained by um, the market needing some more clarity on exactly how we're going to fund the project. Well, and that's what I want to get into now, because, mm. you know, if, if I look at some of the statements in your PowerPoint, which people should read, get it, get into. You, you've mined more ore. You're, the numbers are generally positive. You've paid down debts. Mm-hmm. You're, you're debt-free, net debt-free. Um, the share price has continued on a general downward slope. So, if I, if I, it's been fairly up and down, mm-hmm. but the, the general trend is, is slightly down. I, would, I disagree with that. It's it's been trending up for the last twelve months, but. Um, it, okay. Basically, it's exactly where it was 12 months ago. So. Okay. People can have a yeah. look at the chart and work out how they feel yeah. about that one. But what I'm, what I'm trying to understand is, you know, what is the strategy, go forward strategy here? So where, where, where are the loyalties? You've got loyalty to employees, you've got loyalty to the community, and, you know, loyalty to shareholders. But, you know, what are you doing for shareholders going forward? How, how, what's the growth component to this story? Well, I mean, Toliara is quite clearly the, the growth component. Um, you know, but when does it kick in? Well, on the, on the, on the sort of timetable we're on, we're, we're um, aiming to be in production by the middle of 2022, um, mm-hmm. which will still see us with overlap with Quale. Um, so I have two operations running. Um, you've got that diversity of earnings um, and an extremely powerful earnings profile. I mean, Toliara, um, based on the PFS numbers, is, is going to spin off free cash flow each year of around $135 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very significant cash flows across the two. Um, I mean, one of the challenges in developing an asset in Kenya or, or Africa generally is mm. getting full value in a share price sense for the earnings you generate simply because of this perception of, of risk. Um, and that's particularly exacerbated when you're a single asset, single jurisdiction company. Mm-hmm. Um, so our strategy had always been to, let's, we've got to get Kuala up and moving, mm-hmm. use it to build our, our model, business model, use it to build our capital base, our reputation, uh, our scale, uh, with a view to then taking all of that to move to the next asset to get that diversity happening and build a, an op- a company with a number of operations that smooths that out right. um, and starts to unlock the latent value of the earnings. Do you think you're telling that story well at the moment? Oh, look, we're telling the story as well as we can at the moment, right. because as I said a minute ago, the, the key unknown for people is exactly how we're going to fund it. And we can't um, explain it any more than we are at the moment, because we've got all these components that are moving forward sensibly. They can't move forward any faster, because obviously completion of a DFS is central to mm. landing on that. Um, so we're moving forward with that story at the pace we can, and you know, it's, it's a long-term exercise building a business from scratch. Right, and, and do you, I mean, how much of, you know, the success of this, because you're, you're throwing off cash, you're paying down debt, you're, you're looking after the administrative side of things. I'm just, what I'm trying to get at is trying to understand at what point current investors who may be, using your scenario, <coughs> treading water, um, or new investors coming in should get interested in you. Are they, have they got to wait until you get your debt package in place in the new year? 
Is that uh, the moment they should really be looking at you? Well, I mean, for me, I think people are crazy not getting involved now. Um, why? But why? I understand why. I understand why. Because you know, we, we've got a very clear picture of what the value is in this business, and it's a question of time before people actually see that. Um, as, I, as I keep repeating, um, mm. for a lot of people, the, cl the lack of clarity around exactly how you're going to fund it, it gives people this sense that, oh, maybe they're come raising. Um, and that's something that um, we need to dispel. The, the other part to it is that um, we have a ridiculously supportive shareholder base where the top 20 hold 91% of the stock, the top three hold 65% of the stock. At the current share price, no one's really interested in letting any stock go. Isn't that part of the problem? Well, it is part of the problem, no question. But um, uh, it's, it's why we need to be a little bit patient with this because for someone looking to get in in a meaningful way as an institution, right. you've got to get yourself comfortable with the value proposition. You've then got to be able to see a pathway through to acquiring some stock in the first place. And then you've got to get yourself comfortable that you can exit if you wanted to. Sure. Um, so this liquidity share price standoff is unquestionably one of our challenges. Um, the catalysts for breaking that uh, over time are quite clearly you know, getting the DFS out. So there's some, you know, that's the next level of resolution around the shape of the project. Um, and, but the critical catalyst, as far as I'm concerned, is when we're able to go out quite clearly and say, here's what the debt looks like, here's what any joint venture looks like, here's how the rest of the funding comes together, and this is what that means for you shareholders. Um, now, if, if, I think if people sit and wait uh, mm -hmm. until that happens, um, you know, they might find they miss out. Um, okay. because it, it's a real so, rare act point. So that says to me you're interested in institutional investors, mm -hmm. not so much retail. No, not necessarily. I mean, we've, we've made a concerted effort now to, to really reach out to retail. We just seem yeah. to have been more successful in, um, in getting to, to the institutional side of things. We've done, done quite well there. Um, but the retail is something we need to um, spend more time focusing on. Why is that? Oh, just because you know, when you've got limited liquidity, they're the, they're the people who are going to set your share price. And then um, that price becomes the price at which blocks trade. So right. yeah, it, it's something we do need to... And do, you find that, do you find that's a much harder story to sell to retail in terms of the Africa? You mentioned the Africa component here. Also, yeah. mineral sands, little understood. Yeah, one of the challenges with mineral sands is there are so few pure play mineral sands mm. companies in the world. So it's not a story that people get to touch regularly. Even amongst institutional investors, they don't see too many mineral sand companies coming around. Um, so there's definitely that. It's, it's a less um, immediately clear sector in the sense that you don't get a lot of commentary about it. It's not like people talking about what's happening to the copper price or nickel mm. or whatever. Um, so it's a bit harder in that. And, and then you've got the Africa um, factor as well, which you know, a lot of people just aren't really quite comfortable with, with what Africa's about. I guess with gold more so than most other minerals in, in Africa, um, they might be a little bit more comfortable. Um, okay, so I, if, I always find that interesting that people uh, seem to be more comfortable with gold in West Africa yeah. than super simple mineral sands in you know, East Africa. It's it's quite it's it's, it's, super, it's super, I guess it's the size size of each market, right? Gold gold's a very big market in terms sure. of value terms, and it's been around a while. And mineral sands is new, and it's a smaller market. Yeah, it's more more, more the nature of the countries you're talking about. I mean, there's a Can there's be. a lot more policy volatility in. Uh, in, in West Africa than there is in East at the moment. Can't, yeah, can't. They're, they're, Except for Tanzania. Tanzania, <laughs> I like Tanzania. I've worked there, it's yeah, good. It's a great country, you know, yeah. but, you know, interesting policy environment, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, people are waiting to see if there is a knock-on effect. Um, so, so let's come back to the, the shareholders then. So mm -hmm. shareholders are sitting around patiently waiting for this pop, and you think it's gonna come mm -hmm. when there's clarity in the, on, the, on, on, your, on your debt um, package that you're, you're constructing. Um, but what are you going to do for them? So you, can you generate a lot of cash, mm -hmm. right? Great. You're hoping to replicate that in Madagascar. 
what are you going to give? The, I mean, is there some kind of dividend coming down the line? Are there some share buybacks? I mean, what are you, what are you doing to make things more share, valuable share, for them? Shareholders fall into two categories in, in our world. Um, there are the shareholders who would suggest that a dividend would be good. And then there is the vast majority who say, don't be stupid. Um, you know, we, we, you, we're in base because we're looking for that growth. Um, we can see the project coming uh, next year. Why would you pay a dividend now ahead of making a major investment uh, next year? So, you know, while we have every desire to be a, a dividend payer, and it's part of the business that we're building uh, and the and the diversity of cash flow we're building, right now is not the time. But I mean, that, isn't that the trap that producers fall into? That they create cash and they go, oh, we need to grow, so that we need to make an acquisition. They go spend a lot of money on an acquisition, and then they spend money on the capex and offex getting that into production to produce more cash, but they kind of forget about the shareholders along the way. Oh, look, uh, you know, uh, as a generalisation, that's fine, um, yeah. but to suggest that we've forgotten about shareholders is you know, not, not really appropriate. Um, you know, we, every com company has its own peculiarities and its own circumstances. I mean, we started at Quilo with, with an asset that had a short mine life, you know, that had a mine life of 11 years. Um, we've built an extremely robust business and business model and team. Um, and you know, the, 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 the option that you're talking about would be for us to sort of run that for cash and close the business and, and moved on. Um, it's not quite, but... Well, uh, yes, it is, because you, know, you can't get too close to the end of the mine life, Quale, when we're talking about mid-2024, mm. without having something to replace it. Um, you also, you know, we're not making the most of our platform that we've built if we're not applying it to something else. And our shareholders have certainly been encouraging us to go down that path. Um, and we can see such significant opportunities in the sector because we had been so profitable during the downtime, even in the downtimes, we were still able to service our debt, we were you know, not, not financially stressed in the way a lot of our competitors were, which meant we were able to grab what we think is the best project to add to the portfolio um, mm. and, and get to that next level, at which point we will be a very significant cash generator and um, you know, a completely different set of options at that point. Um, for us, this was absolutely unequivocally the clear path. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is for institutions who perhaps will sit back and play the long game, mm. that's one thing. For retail, family office, high net worth, who are looking for some kind of return, mm. it's, it's a very different model. Everyone's got different sure. investment models. And, right? and so your focus at the moment is around the institutional guys because it's oh, not necessarily. We, we actually find we have a huge number of, of very long-term retail. I actually take mm. a different view. A lot, of the, um, a lot of the institutions are actually much more focused on short-term performance and a lot of our you know, retail shareholders mm. understand the long game of building this company and, mm. and they're involved in it. And the, the point I'd make to shareholders who are um, looking for that short-term hit and the yield in the next two years, mm. um, we're probably not the company for you, so I right. suggest you go somewhere else. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what I'm hearing loud and, loud and clear. People can vote with their feet. I've got no problem with that. I mean, yeah. we've been very clear about what we're doing with this business, um, and, and we've got a very clear path on how we develop it, and you know, shareholders need to choose whether it's their profile. Nothing. Absolutely, absolutely right. So next year, a few things coming out, obviously, at the beginning of the year with the mm -hmm. DFS and the, and the race, what's happening the rest of the year? Um, well, the DFS will be in December, um, and then the rest of the year will be spent very much bringing together the, you know, the funding components, um, working towards make, being in a position to make a final investment decision to you know, start the, the major construction um, over the course of next year. Um, mm -hmm. We've given ourselves a fair bit of runway through until you know, probably the end of the third quarter 
um, next year to get all those pieces to come together because there's a fair bit of complexity in it when you're talking about you know, potential minority joint venture participation, debt facilities. Mm. Um, we've still got to pin down the final fiscal terms um, with the government in Madagascar. So all of those pieces need to come together mm. um, over next year. And uh, so the big thing we're working towards is getting that um, uh, getting that decision made. The, the other thing that's um, taking a lot, getting a lot of focus for us is my life extension at, at Quayle. Mm -hmm. Now, I said before that we've got all through to the middle of 2024. Um, we announced a rather large um, resource on a, on a separate June called the North June uh, during the year. It's very big, 171 million tonnes, but quite low grade. So we're doing mm -hmm. a study on that at the moment to see you know, what subset of that could make sense as my life extension. And we've got another couple of areas around Quilo that we're um, um, you know, exploring to see if we can identify okay. more. Do you, want to, do you want to give us a little summary for versus looking at this from, from new as to why they should be investing in you guys? Yeah, look, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to build what is a very unique mineral sand company. Um, they're, in terms of being a mid-cap company, um, heading towards having two operations. Um, uh, at the moment, we've got one very profitable one we think we can extend. We've got mm. another world-class development asset. We've got a business model that's been very successful in Africa. Um, we do win quite a lot of awards for our environmental stewardship and, and community engagement. And the whole team that brought Kualei together is still with us. You know, so, the, so the whole team that did it the first time around is there to do it again. Mm. So we're not, we're not doing this for the first time. Got a very robust financial platform to be able to build that business. Um, but the long-term aim here is to create something pretty unique because in our sector, there's, there's really only a Luca. Um, at three or four billion dollar market cap, and then you drop down to, to Kenmare and ourselves, sort of around the two to three hundred million dollar US market cap. Um, and, and we're trying to create something quite unique in that space with the you know, multi asset um, you know, sort of business with a, with a growth profile. Great. Thanks for the story. It's nice to hear it. It's uh, neat to all of our listeners for sure. Um, do stay in touch. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.